2: Welcome back to another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. I'm your host as always, Damon Martin. We sit now uh, the show will come out on October 11th. We are now uh, less than two weeks away from one of the biggest fight cards of the entire year. UFC 280 is upon us. We are going to be, uh, man, talk about a card. UFC 280 is incredibly stacked, of course, led by the title fight at the top, Islam Makhachev against Charles Oliveira, uh, Benil Darius, Matush Gamrot. Uh, We got uh, Bilal Muhammad taking on Sean Brady, uh, and uh, one of my guests today is uh, the UFC Bantamweight Champion of the World, Aljamain Sterling. He takes on TJ Dillashaw in the co-main event, and I'm very excited to talk to him about that fight and everything else going on in the Bantamweight division, including another big fight taking place at UFC 280, which is Sean O'Malley taking on Peter Yan, which is an incredible fight. Uh, could potentially determine the number one contender in the division. Let's not forget, you know, Jan lost a a, a close decision to, to Al Jermaine. I thought Al Jermaine won, but close decision nonetheless. And now he's getting uh, you a know, potential superstar in Sean O'Malley. Big opportunity for Sean O'Malley. If Sean O'Malley can win, I think it's going to be hard to deny him title shot opportunities. And for Peter Jan, this is a chance for him to get a win over a high-profile guy, a guy that everyone has kind of pegged as the next big thing. Uh, this is his chance to prove it. So it's a really incredible matchup, so we're going to be talking to Aljamain Sterling here in just a few moments. Also on the show today, it's a brief interview, so I apologize it's not the lengthiest of interviews, but I am also going to speak a little bit later to Jake Paul. Of course, Jake Paul on October 29th takes on the legend, the UFC legend uh, Anderson Silva. October 29th, one week after UFC 280, he's talking about back-to-back weeks of uh, of great fights and big main events uh jake paul of course uh is kind of the talk of the town uh you know whenever he fights and now he's taking on by far his toughest opponent to date a fight that a lot of people thought he wouldn't take a lot of people said he'll never fight anderson silva that's too tough of a fight now he is he's fighting anderson silva on october 29th so we're going to talk to him about that matchup. we're going to talk a little bit about floyd mayweather uh and the possibility of jake uh jake getting involved in mixed martial arts he teased it recently on his own podcast Uh, As I said, it's a short interview. I only had a few minutes with him, but I wanted to play it on the podcast so everyone could hear my conversation with him. But uh, let's kick things off with a conversation I had with the UFC bantamweight champion of the world, Aljamain Sterling, as he prepares to take on TJ Dillashaw in a huge bantamweight title fight. At UFC 280, of course, TJ Dillashaw, the former champion, uh, came back from his two-year suspension from USADA and got a controversial win over Corey Sandhagen. I still stand by the fact that I thought TJ lost that fight. It's not a knock on TJ. Uh, really, it's a compliment to Corey. I thought Corey didn't have to get get that win. Uh, close fight. There were close moments, but I thought, you know, if you're, if you're scoring the fight, I had a hard time seeing how you scored for TJ. But it is what it is. TJ got the win. Uh, unfortunately he had another knee injury so it forced him back out of action for another year he had to wait on the sidelines he's coming back now and he's getting the title shot against tj De- excuse me against Aljamain sterling and listen say what you will about tj you can say what you will about his uh you know the the allegations of, of drug use things like that beyond the one time he got popped for epo reality is he is one of the greatest bantamweight champions in ufc history it's a legacy kind of fight and that's what Aljamain's getting in this one uh, even though we can argue all day about whether or not he deserved it so Let's talk right now to the man who will defend his bantamweight title at UFC 280 in Abu Dhabi. This is Aljamain Sterling. He is the UFC bantamweight champion of the world, and it is always my pleasure to catch up with the great Aljamain Sterling. Aljo, how are you? I'm doing
3: great. It's a beautiful Tuesday morning, getting ready for training in a little bit, and uh, just another day in the training camp
2: yeah absolutely well I appreciate you taking the time and how busy you are with everything going on, of course, the fight coming up in a matter of weeks um training looks like it's going well, staying busy uh I know this has kind of been the one on your radar for a while, so how excited are you to just get back in there and defend your title again? I'm
3: really excited. I was hoping for that September card, but um, it didn't work out, so they pushed it, and here we are getting ready for Abu Dhabi just a couple of weeks left and oops. Oh. Still,
2: I still got you. I still got
3: you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, th- I thought I didn't get anything.
2: <laughs> no, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So we're just a couple
3: of weeks away now from Abu Dhabi UFC 280, And I'm super excited for the opportunity to fight a guy like TJ Pillashaw. <laughs> um He's, he's been a guy that a lot of people know from way back in the days, being on the ultimate fighter and getting knocked out by Dodson and running all the way back to a title title run. So, um, it's going to be a good opportunity to kind of to mix it up with a guy like that who's got a long history in the company. And what great way to surpass him in the winning column by beating the guy that I'm Absolutely. tied Absolutely
2: absolutely absolutely i real quick i do want to ask because i know we heard about that september date now it's october in abu dhabi now don't get me wrong this abu dhabi card is stacked it's an incredible card but you also have to travel halfway around the world to do it now i know you've done it before uh you know you've traveled for fights before but i've never talked to anyone well maybe one or two people who are like oh yeah i'm really excited to travel you know 19 hours to get to my fight uh was there any like was there any like oh man like i got to do that was there any of that for you or you just kind of like roll with the punches
3: I, I kind of rode with it, I, but I also had a feeling that it might happen um, just based on the way everything was, I guess, shaking out. Uh, this is going to actually be my first time fighting overseas. So I kind of I was kind of excited about doing it, to, to be honest. I, I didn't really have too much reservation. The only thing that's really tough is coordinating the hotels and the flights because um, I'm actually doing that myself, which. Just a little bit of a pain in the ass because everyone's kind of all over the place, and then it leaves it to me to have to deal with it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand. And that's like a, that's a whole other headache you don't need to deal with when you're, you know, literally getting ready to defend your title.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a little bit of brain brainwork, um, just trying to coordinate with friends, family, uh, corners. It, be- it can become a little bit of work, but um, I-, I think we got everything. Should be done this week. It seems like.
2: Yeah. So now we talked right after the Peter Jan fight. And, you know, at that point we talked about who was going to be next. And it seemed like TJ was one of the guys. But I think at the time you said, you know, Aldo was the guy that was on your radar and probably more deserving, um, and I tended to agree. You know, he was on a three-fight win streak, had a you know good resume. I thought TJ lost to Corey Sandhagen. It's not a knock on TJ. I just thought he lost that fight, uh, and then he's out for another year with a knee injury. And again, he was on the two-year suspension. And I'm I'm kind of weird about guys getting you know title shots in that in that particular kind of way. I guess you know coming off of suspension, getting one kind of controversial win, but it is what it is. Um, where were you at? Like, I know you you're the champ. You're gonna find who they put in front of you but but was tj dillashaw the really was he really the most deserving guy i mean just based on what he's done in the past not really
3: of anything that he's done lately uh i guess he still has a big name and people are still excited to watch him so i guess this this is one of the most weirdest sports when it comes to uh i guess the merit system we 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 tend not to follow that all the way through so <laughs> Uh, it's just one of those. What's the biggest fight we can make? And I guess that was the biggest fight that the UFC felt they can make. So TJ got the opportunity to to uh, to step in there. So here we are. Uh, I I agree with you. I, I don't think you deserve to be rewarded with a championship pay um, opportunity after cheating and finally finally getting caught. Not just cheating this one time. Finally getting caught from cheating, um, and he's getting a what I think is a a great opportunity, you know, because win or lose, he gets paid a lot more than he would have if he was just fighting at a, a regular pay scale for a normal fight, even if it's a main event
2: yeah absolutely uh, real quick I do want to circle back I mentioned Jose Aldo that was a guy you had mentioned fighting of course we now know Jose has decided to retire of course he fought your friend and teammate Murab, uh, You know, not that long ago uh, can, can I get ask your thoughts on Jose like you know as a guy that you, I'm sure at some point you've admired him you know when you were at Bantamweight he was a featherweight and I know you said in the past that you always said hey Jose Aldo might be you know, one of the toughest fights for me in this division you never got the chance to share the cage with him I don't know if there was any disappointment in that necessarily but he is a legend right now he's retired so you know he's kind of out of the way uh i will admit like that's a bummer like that was a fight i really wanted to see was you and you and aldo and again i think he was probably the most deserved of course you know he lost to murab so that kind of knocks him out of contention anyways but uh yeah like i want to get your thoughts on on aldo and then now that he's you know, now that he's gone
3: yeah i think um it's it's unfortunate that he's hanging it up i mean but he has had such a long long career so i can imagine that he's just ready to just Move on to the next phase of his life and start to just enjoy the fruits of his labor and just enjoy his kids and family and all that. So I get it. Um, it would have been great to to compete against a guy like that, but yeah, he came up short. So that it, it's just one of those things, you know. This division is so stacked, and it's not like it was back in the day where he was the the king of the hill, dominating and running through everybody. The times have changed. The skill set has changed and evolved. Everyone has gotten better and and grown. And um, I think it just speaks volumes of where he was at when he came into sport and the direction that the sport is going in. Um, so for a guy like that, it, it would have been a for him to stick around so many different generations and eras of the of the game. It says a lot. You know, he he constantly evolved. He kept up with the times and um, he almost had himself another title shot opportunity. Maybe if he had gotten a win, but unfortunately sometimes things don't go in our, our favor. And um, he lost to... Arguably probably the next best guy in this uh band and weight division, you know? So um yeah, I it, I just think he had a great career. He has nothing to, to be ashamed about. He's he's the most winningest guy, I think, in in UFC history from WEC. And he's forever gonna be a staple in this sport. And whenever people talk MMA, you have to bring up Jose Aldo. And uh that's that's no easy feat for anybody to achieve
2: absolutely absolutely you mentioned something there uh, Aljo I was going to bring it up anyways you know uh, I know when Murad was getting ready for his fight with Jose you know somebody asked him once again you know what about Aljo what about Aljo and he said stop asking me this question we're not going to fight we're never going to fight we're best friends we're close I wouldn't be here without Aljo you know let's just put it in bed and I I applauded him for that I was like you know what good for you you know not that you need my approval but I was like that's awesome you guys are sticking with that and I know uh, Jake Shields had responded on Twitter and was like you know people used to constantly ask him about fighting nate or nick diaz and i said i never asked that question because i just knew the relationship those guys had was different than the average teammate situation like you know maybe like john jones and rashad evans a little different than that uh and i respect that. again you don't need my approval al but i respect that you guys have kind of taken that stance and i'm not asking you about fighting Mirab, i absolutely not but i just think it's awesome that you guys have said let's just stop that conversation because it's just not going to happen
3: yeah i I agree and um I agree with him in terms of he wouldn't be here without me and I feel like the same vice versa uh to have a guy like that who you can train with and lean on and and uh who's super reliable when it comes to giving the extra workouts and just being super selfless in a very selfish sport it's uh it's nice to have and i think that's what makes us so close because anything I need he's there anything he needs for me I'm there. Even when I'm banged up, you know, I'm still I'm still letting the guy beat up on me so that he can get the working that he needs. And um, I think this goes to show you how, how well respected we both feel in terms of both of our skill sets. And again, you can't have you won't you won't have Aljamain Sterling here without a training partner like Marab. And I don't think you have Marab without the training partner like myself. Um, so I help him with his training camps. He helps me. We, we go over tape. We bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, We both moved to the same block in Las Vegas, you know, so people say, oh, but people can say whatever they want. You obviously never had any real friends, you know, so (laughs) I think that's pretty much what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, you said it earlier, and I know it's such a cheesy thing to say, the whole iron sharpens iron thing, but in your opinion, are you training every day with the other best bantamweight in the sport? I don't think that's a stretch to say that.
3: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, right now, I'm getting specific looks for the striking department while I'm out here in Vegas. And then when we go back to New York, um, Marab will jump into the sparring session. So it's just about coordinating and using the, 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 the tools that you can while you have the opportunity to use it. And fortunately for me, we have a lot of guys out here in Vegas that are happily willing to jump in the sparring sessions and things like that to help drill with me or to give me the sparring rounds and can give me that tjs kind of a look um the switch dancing showing me the headcakes and things like that um and even a little bit of grappling as well so it's been cool so i'm just using the tools while i can and then when we go back to new york Uh, most of the training will be with Dennis and Marab. Uh, So that's, that's the way we have things right now. Maybe we could get a couple more guys in there just to polish off training camp. And I'm just trying to be as methodical as I can, leave no stones unturned, and give myself the best opportunity to win without needing to stick anything up my ass. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you you mentioned it there, and I know that there's gonna be this big narrative leading into the fight. And you've talked about it, and I know TJ's responded about the cheating thing. And and listen, we all know. I mean, listen, the guy confessed to it, he did it. Uh, he got busted, he got his title, you know, he he he, he got his title taken away, he got two years on all those kind of things. But yeah, I'm a big believer in once you get busted, you're always going to have that asterisk next to your name. Like, you can't ever outlive that because you have cheated, and that's just the reality of it. And EPO is one of the worst things you can do because it's so hard to catch, and, you know, it can affect you in so many different ways. Was there – I mean, again, you're a champion, so you're going to take the fights that were, are presented in front of you. But was there Was there even a the slight hesitation? Like, I don't really want to fight this guy because there are questions. We can't deny there are questions. There are teammates who have accused him of cheating long before he got busted uh and now we know he got busted he was out for two years now i don't know if he's still cheating but you can't help but ask that question
3: yeah for sure um i want to say that i was i, I want to say i had reservations for fighting him but i i do have reservations for if he's going to come if, he, if he's going to show up clean um i already made peace with it that i'm going to be fighting a guy that's more than likely i would say if there's a and and like an odds, I would say about 90 percent that this guy is finding another way to cheat, even if it's some type of microdosing nonsense or however that stuff works. That he's willing to put more time into that than it is to just do things the right way. So I already made peace with that, that there's an op, a, a chance that I'm going to be fighting a guy who's going to be souped up And I think a lot of guys I fought in the past have been on some shits anyway. So this isn't going to be any different. Um, the only thing that worries me is that I have to make sure my cardio is going to be more than extraordinary just so that I can keep the pace. Cause I, I just know that this guy is a little weasel that's going to find any way to get an advantage. Uh, he can say whatever he wants, but he knows deep down inside how long he's been doing all that cheating for and, uh, his teammates outed him. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be the better man is going to win that day. And if he's got to be the better man by using the supplements and all this other stuff, that's, that's on him. I I know my, my hands are clean. And at the end of the day, I'm going to bring the best version of myself, blue collared work ethic. And hopefully that's enough to get the job done.
2: Yeah. Of course, you know, you, you know, you know the physical advantages that somebody gets from cheating. I mean, we all know that, but I've always heard, and one of the guys, a couple of guys I've talked to about this say, you know, the weakness of using Performance-enhancing drugs comes down to a mental crutch. They can't mentally get over the lacking reality of, of a fight or lacking reality of the physical limitations going into a fight. You know, maybe they're not as good at cardio or maybe they're just not as strong and so they use something to get them to that physical level and they say while it is physical, there's a mental crutch there and and you never get beyond that. Do you believe that's part of what TJ like that now that he's done it and we don't know, you know, with 100% absolute certainty how long he's done it um, that there is a mental crutch there. And If you go out there and break that guy, you go out there and put your you know, impose your will on that guy. You can't break him also easier, but like, you know, you can see it in him because again, I've heard that a million times guys say it's a it's a mentally weak person who needs to cheat to get better physically, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. So I think there's some chink in the armor there, some room for me to expose some of his shortcomings. And um I think mentally he's gonna have that in the back of his head. And I think it also does prove that you're a little bit of a mental midget. So if I can get in his head early on uh, I think he might self destruct and make it even easier of a night for me.
2: Do you believe? And I know it doesn't really matter, Aljo, because you're the champ. I mean, you are. And and I know you you took <laughs> so much you took so much burden from that first yawn fight unnecessarily, and and absolutely none was your fault. But you came back and you beat Peter Yon. You know, incredible performance. We talked about that. But it feels like there are people who are starting to believe in you more now. Now, there's guys like myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back, Aljo. I've been an Aljo guy for years, and you know that, uh, going all the way back. So you know that. But there's a lot of other people who have become Aljo believers recently. I mean, even a guy like Corey Sanhagen, I talked to him before, and he said, I'm picking Aljamain to beat TJ. And he broke it down and gave the reasons he believes you're going to win. And I've heard that from other fighters. I've heard it from, like, again, I know it's not going to be everybody. And you're never going to be completely beloved. That's impossible in this sport but do you feel like you have started to turn people around to where they are starting to believe in you they are starting to see hey this guy is really damn good um
3: you know I don't I don't know because I don't really talk to too many guys and asking them their opinion because I really don't care at the end of the day because I I know what I'm capable of doing and I know the work that I put in and that's enough for me so if it's enough to to get the job done it's going to be enough to get the job done if it's not it's not you know so whether or not people are finally coming around, that's to them. I, I don't really. I mean, I have noticed that the the what would I call it? The clown emoji gate. <laughs> I guess that's changed a lot. But um, in terms of like my peers respecting me or whatever it is, I, I really don't even tune in for that like at all. So, um, I don't give it a thought. It's it, it's really like for me. It's just I. Like your opinion really does not matter. It's not going to change how hard I work. It's not going to change um, the, what I decide to eat for the day. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's, all, it's all perspective. And I, I've learned that a, a long time ago. Like people are going to bounce around back and forth and you do something great one day, you're the man. The next day you you don't look as good and people will write you off. So. You gotta take it with a grain of salt. I'm thankful that they are starting to realize the hard work that I've put in and everything that I've been saying for the past 13 months leading up to the rematch. But if if you needed <clears throat> if you if you needed to see another performance in order to judge where I am at physically and on a skill set basis, then you clearly don't know the sport that well, or you just don't you never watch me fight or train or compete. So the people closest to me, they know. And um, I, I know that there's still a lot more room for growth. And hopefully I get to show that on October 22nd that the, there's a lot more to the game of Algemin Stern than just being the backpack. I, I got so much more up my sleeve that I can do. And it's just a a, a a thing of just getting comfortable in there. And with all the injuries, it's kind of slowed me down a bit. But uh, I'm very positive that this next one is going to just remind the world that, yeah, the, all the stuff that this guy is saying is – it's more than true, and he's not just out here talking. He's out here walking the walk as well.
2: Yeah, and I know with the Yon fight, the rematch, because the way the first fight ended, I don't want to say personal, but I know it meant a lot to go out there and have that kind of performance and just put a stamp on it. You know, you, you got legally need. You went out there and you went out and won the fight. It was an incredible performance. With TJ Dillashaw, is this one, I won't say more personal, but like, does this mean, I, I guess every fight means more because it's the next fight, but like, where would you like? is this as important or even more important because of what TJ has been in terms of like his legacy in the sport, the cheating stuff. We all know that. Like, again, there's a little bit of the, you know, uh, the, are you facing a guy who's like, you know, trying to come into 110% as opposed to hundred percent because yeah. maybe sticking a needle in his butt, whatever the case may be. Like, is it is it more personal or is it more meaningful even in this fight just because of who TJ is?
3: Yeah, it's just because of who TJ is. Um, I think that's the only thing that makes this fight that great. Outside of that, I don't think he's the most deserving guy at this point of his career of what he's done. Um but yeah, because of who T J is, that's really the more exciting part for me. It's like even for for Mirab, he stepped in the cage with Jose Aldo. That's like a that's like a dream, a dream matchup. You know, you, one day you're watching this guy as a kid you're growing up and next thing you know, you're in the cage with him. It's kind of the same thing for me. I've watched CJ since the beginning of his career in the UFC on the ultimate fighter. I got to see this guy's personality. I've got to meet him in person. I, I know the type of guy he is. And the fact that after all these years, I'm finally getting an opportunity to compete against a guy like that. It shows me what I've done shows me that I've now become the guy. And, um, the guy gets to take out the, the old guy, you know? So it's just one of those young lines meets the, the new line. Um, wait, the young, the young line meets the old line. And hopefully the the young buck gets to take out the, the old head and show him that there's a new king in town.
2: Yeah, I love it. Uh, real quick, Alge, before I get you out of here, you know, we've known for years everyone always said the lightweight division is the deepest division in the sport. And I always argued it's lightweight and welterweight. I always thought welterweight was incredibly deep, never got the respect it deserves, and has always been a really, you know, great weight class. Of course, for years George St. Pierre ruled, so it was harder to look at the other guys in the division. Of course, Kamar Usman was kind of the same way until just recently. But I think Bantamweight you know, Bantamweight may now be the best division in the sport, if I'm being honest. When you look top to bottom, the prospects, the top guys in the world, yourself being champion, all those kind of things, I really do believe Bantamweight be, may be the best. So, can I ask your opinion? A couple other big fights in your division coming up, of course, one on your card. Peter Yan and Sean O'Malley kind of came out of left field. No one really saw that one coming. Uh, you know, Peter, I actually thought it was going to be Peter and Murab. I thought that's the fight they were going to try to book. Ended up being Peter and, uh, and O'Malley. Uh, again, potential, you know, title contender fight, depending on how things play out, can I ask your opinion on that one? Were you were you surprised to see that match?
3: I was surprised, but honestly, it's
2: it's a kind of a
3: win win for O'Malley. I know he said he's not looking at it like that, but it's a great opportunity stylistically. And I I think in a three round fight, his chances of winning go up astronomically. I mean, Jan starts slow. He, if he gets over aggressive like he did against me in that first round, and just gets picked apart from the outside, um, and banks on trying to catch you later on. Uh, I think that's going to be an ill-advised mistake because Omali's good. He's got great footwork. I think he has all the, the tools needed to win. The only question mark I have for him is the toughness. Um, when Jan actually touches him up a bit and she keeps chipping away, will he wilt or will he stay there and compete? You know, so that's, that's my only reservation with that matchup. I, I just have no idea how he's going to, fair when he gets some opposition pushed back at him. We saw it with Cheeto Vera. he kind of folded. Um, he had a little adversity. I mean no it's hard for anyone to fight with a drop foot like that, but uh, I think the way he kind of folded was just very telling of where he's at. But of course that was a couple of years ago. I think he's grown. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see where he's at and I, I try to approach this from a cerebral standpoint as best as I can. Um, and try to go into the minds of these guys. You know, I've been in there with Piotr. I know he's going to be there for the entire 15 minutes, in your face, um, looking to touch Omali up to the body and chop chop down his legs until he can get to take out his head, take off his head. Um, Omali is one of those guys who uses a lot of footwork, a lot of finesse, tries to use a lot of feints, touch you up from the outside. He has some tough time with Pedro in that first round, so it just really makes me wonder how well he's going to be able to do with that style when he actually has someone that can mix it up with him. And it's not going to be a human punching bag. And um, I, I don't know which way that fight's going to go, but if I had to pick, I, I'm going with Jan. I just think he's a little bit more experienced and um, he's going to know how to make those adjustments. Cause he has to, he's had, he's had to have made them before on the biggest stage, which were title fights and five round fights.
2: Yeah. And I know you've said in the past, you know, you may see on again down the road, that I may mean, that fight may happen again. But I mean I gotta lie to you, Aljo, you and O'Malley would be a huge fight. I think the UFC knows that. They know that's part of the reason why that, I'm sure that's why they put the fight on the same card, because they want to try you know, if O'Malley wins, they got a star there and you and O'Malley would be a massive pay per view. Let's not lie to ourselves.
3: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if O'Malley wins, I take out TJ. Um I'm, <laughs> I'm extremely happy with taking <laughs> it on that matchup. Um so Whichever happens, I'm gonna be excited for either opportunity. Uh, obviously, if it's Yan, I'm not gonna be so excited. I'm like, we we've seen each other twice already for damn near ten rounds. I think I think we're good on this one um, for a little bit longer at least. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I like pay per view. I like money. <laughs>
2: so yeah. hopefully, I
3: keep the belt and uh, hopefully, I get to make a lot of it in the next few fights and before I move up to 145 and. Let Morab just keep wreaking havoc on this division.
2: Yeah, is that inevitable? <laughs> is the move to 145? You feel that is inevitable?
3: I, I I do think so. I think it's just getting harder for me to make this weight. Like even for me to stay consistently under 160 in a training camp is really really hard. I got to really dial it in these next two weeks and start waking up at 155 because that's the next stage. And then I got the next stage of waking up around 152, 150. So it it, it kind of takes away from my training, and I do think it does affect my cardio a bit when I do get there on fight night. But that's I, so why I just try to go as hard as I can in the room, so I'm as prepared as I possibly can be, and hopefully that's enough. So even with the drop off, I can still make up for it um, just with the tough with mental toughness kind of thing
2: yeah would you like though before you do that though <laughs> would you like to take out a couple more guys like take out tj henry cejudo is another guy coming back i know that's a guy you've always said you would fight he's one of the only guys who's ever been bantamweight champion of course as well i think Dominic cruz is out of the running now because of course he just lost to cheeto so i'm kind of like running down like the big championship level fights you can get so maybe take out tj take out cejudo and then maybe at that point you know maybe you'll start looking at 145 is that a couple more fights is that kind of what you're thinking like at 135 is that kind of the idea Yeah, you know, uh,
3: there's history here for me right now. And if I could run up the score and make it very, very hard for anyone to catch my record, that would be really, really nice. Um, That's kind of where I'm at with my mentality at 135. I just want to win as much as I can, set records, and... Keep my name in the history books for as long as I possibly can because the sport's constantly evolving. I mean, we got a kid who's 17 years old making their debut tonight mm-hmm. on the Dana White Contender Series, and the kid's pretty damn good. Uh, so that's kind of the way I look at things. So I'm just trying to uh, – uh, like, what else, what else am I doing this for? It's obviously to make money, but, you know, to be remembered in history as one of the best guys ever I've at weight, and to have people be able to study me for years to come, decades to come – that's that's the new motivation for me
2: yeah well there's a great couple of legacy fights out there for you You know what I mean I love it because you got this one O'Malley may not be legacy necessarily but a massive pay-per-view gets you a huge payday Cejudo would be a big one so again a couple good matchups out there and then again you can go up and hold on to that title long enough to go up and become champ champ and then you know then then you give it up and let Murad <laughs> go for it that's my not that you need my advice but like I think that's how it should go
3: yeah I'm um... I'm excited. And obviously I can always lose this next one. I always play devil's advocate and then uh Marab can jump in there, get an opportunity. I'll battle my way back and um get a couple more wins at the division. And if it's time for me to go up, it's just time for me to go up, you know? So there, uh, there's, there's a lot of options, you know, so I'm still relatively young and that's, that's really the way I'm just approaching it a day at a time, a fight at a time and let's just see where life takes me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Aljo, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Real quick, before I get you out, of, can I can ask, who's going to be in the corner in Abu Dhabi? Because I know that is long travel. You mentioned all the booking and everything. Who's going with you, at Abu Dhabi?
3: Um, same corner as the last time: Marab, Dennis, Alad, Quinta,
2: and Ray Longo. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, <laughs> Aljo, it's always a pleasure. I know you're an incredibly busy person, uh, so I appreciate you always taking the time for me. Have a great rest of your training camp. Safe travels over to Abu Dhabi. Cannot wait to see you back in action in just a couple weeks. Thanks, brother. Hey, talk to you soon, okay? Yeah.
0: All right. All right, bye-bye. Peace. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
1: And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
2: A big thank you, of course, to Aljamain Sterling, the Funkmaster, for coming on the show. Uh, always great to catch up with him, of course. Uh, now we sit just days away from his next title defense as he prepares to take on TJ Dillashaw in the co-main event. At UFC 280, uh, we usually wait and do our UFC 280 preview show the week of the event, but as I'm sure if you haven't caught up, last week we had Anthony Smith on the show, and he actually helped me break down everything. At UFC 280, we took on the entire main card uh, with uh, with uh, Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady also stuck in there, uh, so if you missed that episode, go back to last week. We broke down TJ Dillashaw and Aljamain Sterling, as well as uh, Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira, Sean Brady, Bilal Muhammad, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. Uh, so, yeah, and Gamrot, Benil Darius. So go back and listen to last week's episode. I figure get the jump on everybody else. There's going to be a million preview shows out there talking about UFC 280. Let's kind of jump ahead of people and talk about it last week. So uh, it was great to catch up with Anthony Smith on that last week. This week, of course, talking to the champ, Aljamain Sterling. Right now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's not the longest interview in the world. I had a very brief window of time to talk to Jake Paul. He was in the middle of a kind of a media crazy day, uh, getting ready for his fight with, uh, with Anderson Silva. Got a call saying, hey, Jason, I have a little bit of time for you Uh, in the afternoon. I jumped on and I got it. So it's a short interview, but I still want to put it on here because, uh, you know, it's always good to hear from the fighters and actually hear their voices versus just just reading the words on the page uh, on MMAfighting.com, best website in the world. So uh, let's talk to Jake Paul about Anderson Silva, about Floyd Mayweather and about his future aspirations, potentially getting involved in mixed martial arts, maybe beyond what he actually might do in the cage. See what I'm talking about. Hear what Jake Paul has to say about it. Jake, I appreciate the time as always. Thank you for doing this. I know you're incredibly busy. Fight coming up around the corner. I know it's such a generic question, but let me ask it anyways. How is everything getting prepared for? What is the biggest challenge of your entire career with Anderson Silva?
4: It's good, man. You know, this is just my lifestyle now. It's just boxing, nonstop training. It doesn't really even feel like camp anymore. It, It just feels like this is a part of who I am and what I do I I feel like I've been in camp this whole entire year waiting for fights um so I've had to learn patience and um I'm, I'm patiently counting down the days um 24 days away so we're getting closer and and things are heating up man I'm excited
2: You know, you, when you fought, you know, Ben Askren, you know, you were favored, but I know you took it seriously when you fought Tyron Woodley twice, you know, you were favored, but you took it very seriously. This is the first time you've been an underdog. Is it a different feeling? Is it a different motivation? Kind of excited that, you know, now this time, you know, people are actually maybe picking against you a little bit and, and and saying this guy's going to beat you and all this. Is it a different feeling?
4: I love it. I love it. Uh, You know, it's definitely more motivating, um, you know, and I love proving people wrong. That's what I'm best at. Quite literally, my whole entire life has just been proving people wrong and, uh, and, and feeding off of doubt. Um, and so when I'm put into the position like this, it, it just motivates me even more. Um, and I think this will be the last fight I'm an underdog. Mark my words. Come back to this interview. This will be the last fight of my career where I'm the underdog, 100%.
2: Anderson Silva is a legend. I've covered his career for many, many years. Uh, incredible boxer. We saw what he did to H- Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. years ago. He wanted to fight Roy Jones Jr. There's no animosity here, which I appreciate. There's no fake buildup. It's just a really, really good fight. But I, I, and I know you believe you're going to go out there and knock out Anderson. But what kind of respect do you have for a guy like Anderson, knowing the skills he's going to bring in there and the danger? I mean, let's be honest. He's he's a legit knockout striker, legit boxer. Like this is not just a easy fight.
4: Yeah. You can't mess around with one of the greatest strikers, if not the greatest striker in combat sports history, his hands are, you know, more experienced uh, by far than anyone I've ever been in there with um, combined. Um, you know, so this is not a joke. I don't take him lightly. He has knockout power. He beat a former world champion, like you said, and um, you know, knowing the risk and, and, being okay with it is, is what I'm doing with this fight and I'm letting it motivate me versus letting it scare me. Um, and even my brother was like, Hey, are you sure you're ready for this? And uh, the answer to him was, yes, I, I know what I'm capable of. Um, I will have to fight a perfect fight and, and <laughs> that is not an easy thing to do, but if I can go in there, fight a perfect fight, fight, stick to the game plan. Um, I believe my power will come out on top and I will be able to catch him and knock him out.
2: Jake, so much of your, the buildup to your fights has been, I was at your fight in Cleveland. It was so much fun. We know there was really animosity there with Woodley. Obviously you and Tyron have kind of squashed the beef. He was on your podcast recently, but you know, it was fun. You had that buildup, you have that kind of personality, but this time around, a lot of respect, you know, no, there's no fake buildup, no fake beef, you know, Anderson, incredibly nice guy. Is it a different feeling? Have you been able to change your demeanor in terms of getting ready for a guy like this, who is just about respect. It's just about the challenge. There's no bad blood. There's no animosity. So it's a little different than what you dealt with, with Askren and, and particularly Ty. even Nate Robinson was talking trash.
4: Yeah, no, this is definitely a change of pace, but it's kind of refreshing. Um, and I, I, don't mind it at all. I have a ton of respect for, for Anderson. Uh, obviously he, he was my idol growing up, took a picture with them first celebrity I ever met. So it's kind of crazy that, uh, we, we're here today. Um, you couldn't really write this in a movie. Um, uh, so it's refreshing and I like, I like how things are going and I think it's almost more entertaining. You know, even our press conference was just, it was just so outlandish and, and, and so different. Um. So I try not to read too much into it, though. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh, is he trying to play mind games with you and be nice? And like, no, you know, we're fighters at the end of the day. Uh, And when the bell rings and you get punched in the face, all that friendly shit goes out the window.
2: Yeah. Jake, we know that at the end of the day, combat sports in general, this is prize fighting. You are out there to win a prize, to make money and provide for your family and do all those kind of things. And if you went from Anderson Silva and you immediately jumped in the ring with KSI and got paid a huge payday to do it, I'd say good for you. I don't care. Good for you. Go out and make that money. But I know your goals in this sport go beyond those kind of influencer fights, so to speak. That's why you fought Ben Askren. That's why you fought Tyron Woodley twice. That's why you're fighting Anderson Silva knowing what Anderson Silva brings into this fight and everything goes well on October 29th. Do you feel like that this is kind of like the graduation fight? Like there's no going back from here. There's no more. I know like the KSI fight was one you talked about, but KSI has openly said like he's not ready for you. So at this point, like Floyd Mayweather's one you mentioned, like that's really fun. Obviously there's other pro boxers. You tried to fight Tommy Fury. You tried to fight Hassan Rockman. Both those guys backed out. Not your fault. But do you feel like beating Anderson Silva? That's it. Like there's no going back from here.
4: Yeah, no, this opens the floodgates uh, to a lot of competition, a lot of call-outs, a lot bigger fights. So it's it's exciting. Um, however, you know, if someone's talking shit at the end of the day and, and I can step in there um, and knock them out and make a ton of money, uh, like you said, it's prize fighting. So if KSI wants to volunteer for, for his own death, then, uh, you know, I'm not going to be the one to tell him no. Um, but... My level of opposition will just continue to raise. And that's what I've done, you know, throughout my career is each fight, it gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And I encounter a new test and that's what I have to do. No, one's going to tune into my fights. If I'm fighting someone that they think I'm just going to beat. I don't want to put on like that. I, you know, and you saw KSI do it. He fought two guys and one, it was the cheesiest stupidest thing it it was such a waste of everyone's time and money and I I have a responsibility to my fans to put on really big fights that are wars with really good matchups and that's what I'm going to continue to do
2: do you believe in your heart of hearts that a guy like Floyd Mayweather would actually fight you because Floyd listen I'm not again I'm not going to fault him for making money to fight you know guys that are completely overmatched and probably shouldn't be in there with him listen you fought Deji Early, early in your career, you knocked him out, and credit to him coming back and getting a win in his last fight. But I mean, come on, let's be honest. This is not a this is a win win situation for Floyd. He's going to make money, and and the danger is not really that inherent. It's different with you because you've become a legitimate boxer. In your heart of hearts, do you believe he'd ever actually take that fight?
4: I think he would if it was an exhibition for sure. Um, the thing is, is that I want it to be a real pro bout and take his undefeated record which I don't think he'll risk, but I think that just makes the fight three times as big, three times um, as hype. So that's what I'm aiming for, but I definitely think there is a fight for us in the future, Um, whether it's exhibition or not. uh, You know, we'll figure that, excuse me. We'll figure that part out.
2: Yeah. Last question for you, Jake. You mentioned on your podcast that you have something coming in MMA, of course, I'm the MMA guy here asking this question. You said you have something coming in MMA. Now we know you've talked about this horse. So here's what I'm going to ask you: You talked about you know also fighting. When you say also fighting, is there any chance that I've heard rumors? Please feel free to shoot me down if I'm wrong here. Is there a chance that Jake Paul becomes an owner or a part owner of a promotion?
4: Hey man, all I'm gonna all I'm gonna say is this because I can't I can't say too much. But this is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> That's all so I can I'm, give up right now. That's all the yeah. only information I can give you.
2: I just feel like I may not be wrong. Is all all I'm saying, Jake. I feel like I may not be wrong on this one.
4: Hey, you're a smart guy, man. You're a smart guy. We all know that we all love MMAfighting.com, bro. Shout out to you. You know, you're you're one of the people I follow most in the industry, so really love you and love uh, everything you you promote and talk about. So, you're a smart guy, bro. You know what you're doing.
2: <laughs> well, Jake, I appreciate the time. Best of luck on October 29th. You know I'll be watching, and thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank, thank, thank you, Damon. Man. Bye-bye. Okay. A big thank you, of course, to Jake Paul. It is always a pleasure to catch up with him. Of course, October 29th, he takes on Anderson the Spider Silva in the main event on Showtime pay-per-view. Of course, the card also going to feature former UFC fighter Uriah Hall, who's coming out of uh, – well, he's not coming – I mean, technically he's not coming out of – he's coming out of retirement from MMA. He's not fighting MMA again, but he's actually going out there and fighting uh, Le'Veon Bell. Former uh, former Pittsburgh Steeler, former, uh, well, what am I thinking about? Well, the teams he played for Jets, I think. Uh, anyways, he's boxing now. Of course, he got the win over Adrian Peterson on that social gloves card um, a few weeks back or a couple months back. Well, it was August, so a couple months back. Uh, So now he's going to be taking on Uriah Hall. Chris Avila taking on Dr. Mike, uh, a guy that is kind of a YouTube, Instagram celebrity. Now he's crossing over and doing boxing. So interesting card. A lot of eyeballs going to be on it. And, of course, the main event being Jake Paul against Anderson Silva. So very much looking forward to that. I want to say a big thank you to both Jake and uh, Aljamain for coming on the show. Of course, Aljamain has his title fight coming up in a matter of days as he prepares to take on TJ Dillashaw. And, of course, we will have more uh, guests and more interviews coming up next week on the show. We already did our UFC 280 preview, as I mentioned earlier in the show. If you missed that, go back to last week's episode as we talked to Anthony Smith about that. We broke down the entire card and gave our picks and predictions uh, for the main fights on uh, on UFC 280. It's a stat card. It's an afternoon card. Don't forget, 10 a.m. start time for the prelims, 2 p.m. start time for the pay-per-view from Abu Dhabi. So an early afternoon card for the UFC on October 22nd, so make sure you're here for that. I want to say a big thank you of course to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the Fighter versus the writer. Uh, check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and of course you can always find us over on MMAFighting.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.